some of us here, we struggle because we only want to love people who are perfect. And that's why everybody around you makes you miserable. Every single relationship is radically unfulfilling because nobody's perfected. But the love of God is not only loving perfected people. The true self-sacrificing love of God says, I love you even though I don't love everything you do. Do you find yourself constantly experiencing dissatisfaction in your relationships? Does it seem like no one can do anything right? Have you ever thought you might be expecting too much and forgetting where you came from? Truly, grace-filled relationships are the result of knowing that it's God's love that has made a way for you to be a part of His family. Once you realize that, the blemishes of others become less obvious as you walk in harmony with one another in Him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with the conclusion of our message entitled, Jesus is Faithful. If your small intestines decides to check out for a while, things get a little rugged, right? If your feet decide, I'm just done being the foot, I'm tired of this putting these socks on, squeezing me in these stylish shoes that are uncomfortable. What happens? You got a problem, right? Brothers and sisters, we're a family. And we hope you know that everybody, everybody is valued. We don't value youth more than those who've been around the block, although our culture does. I've said it a lot. Our culture values youth, but God values people. We're all valued together, but we are diverse. And the beauty is, is on those points of differences within the diversity of the body, we learn how to say, okay, we have differing preferences, but guess what? We're still one family. We still do it together. We still figure out how we're going to do this. Our family is gloriously diverse. I'm going to talk about this a little more next week. Next, we find that our family's desire is to do the will of God. Our family's desire is to do the will of God. The desire, the passion of our family of faith is to do the will of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. So turn to your left, the very first gospel, Matthew chapter 12. We're going to take the very last little nugget of teaching here in verses 46 to 50 there in Matthew 12. Our family's desire is to do the will of God. Look at verse 46, Matthew 12. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brother, speaking of Jesus, stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, I've thought at times about doing a 
writing a book called Absurd Jesus. Because sometimes Jesus just says the most straight-up absurd things. It sounds absurd, although it's still true. you got to realize, Jesus is doing ministry. His mother Mary, his brothers, now don't miss that. Because there are some people who want to say that because Mary, and we talked about this a little bit with last week, because Mary was Jesus' mom, that she was a perpetually a virgin. But we find all through the Bible that he's got brothers and sisters and such. Because Mary and Joseph ultimately did get married, and they ultimately had children like everybody else did in that day. But Jesus' mother and brother, they come looking for him. They, they come to Jesus, hey, your mother and your brothers are here. And Jesus says, who's my mother and my brothers? Now, you think Jesus forgot? He forgot that James was his little brother? Forgot that Mary was his mom? We learned in Luke chapter 2 that he went home and he was subject to the authority of his parents. But see, Jesus uses it as, an, as a teaching moment. Who's my, who's my family, is the question. And he reaches out his hands to his disciples and said, those who do the will of my Father in heaven, they're my brothers, they're my sisters, and they're my mom. See, Jesus is saying, is even greater than my physical family is the family of faith, those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And what's interesting is God's will is a big part of what it means to be part of a family of faith. God's will is what God desires and is passionate about seeing happen. And brothers, sisters, God is passionate about seeing things happen in our lives, in our families, in our community, in our world. And God has ordained the church, the family of faith, to be the vehicle to see his will done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Isn't that how Jesus prayed in the model prayer? But we have to ask ourselves, God's will done through his family, that happens through each one of us saying, God, I want your will done and not mine. And for each one of us, isn't it true that every single day we know what God wants and then there's things that we want? And there's a negotiation. There's a choice that gets made. And that's true for every single one of us. Every single one of us choose every day who they will serve. And oftentimes, if we're willing to be honest about who we are, oftentimes it has nothing to do with God's will. It just has everything to do with our will. And when we realize that, what's beautiful is that God doesn't dismiss us. He is faithful. We've all been willful in a myriad of ways. And God doesn't discard us. He simply calls us back to him again. He says, come to me. Come. Don't do it your own way. Let's do it my way. You know what happens a lot of times within churches is that because we know it needs to be God's will, not our own, what we do is we know enough to say, well, it's God's will, and we just put some spiritual language on it, but it's really just our will. Right? Like, so we, we, we sugarcoat our rebellion in spiritual language. And we have to be careful with that. P people have been doing that as long as there's been religion in the world. But brothers and sisters, our driving passion should be God's driving passion. We want to say, Lord, break my heart with what breaks your heart. Lord, not what I want, but Lord, what do you want? And you know what happens when you, when you get into that place? We say, Lord, not what I want, but what do you want? Then all of a sudden we have to change. 
Because God wants more beautiful things than we can fathom. God wants more generosity than we can fathom. God wants more grace. He wants us to be peacemakers. And he gives us the strength by his spirit to actually do it. That's why we have our, our, our mission is simply respond to Jesus because at every moment, Jesus has a will. He has a desire, a passion of what he wants to see ushered into the world and he wants to use you and I. But we have to say, Lord, I give up my right to my own will. What's your will for my life? That sweet surrender. That's that sweet surrender that comes to the people of God. How are we doing with that? How am I doing with that? Am I open to what God's will is, not my own ideas? What God's plan is, not my own plan. Our family's desire is to do the will of God, to be used by God for God's glory and God's plan. Now, next, our family's foundation is the word of God. Our family's foundation is is the word of God. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, picking up in verse 19. It says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, now listen, and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Notice that. We're a household of God being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, I know if you're here at Crossroads, you're, one of the reasons you're here is because you know that we're going to open up God's word and we're going to teach it to you. But it's always important to come back and remind us that our family's foundation is not in some tradition, but it's in God's word. The apostles and prophets was the Hebrew way of saying the word of God. Jesus being the chief cornerstone. That's our foundation. We're built upon it. And brothers and sisters, we will always be built upon it. We get it. We, every one of our ministries, our kids' ministry, our women's ministry, our men's ministry, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, our high school ministry, our middle school ministry, our nursery ministry. You realize if you have kids in the nursery, they actually get a Bible study? It's awesome. I love when, I, when, I, when Pastor Bill would be teaching, I'll go back and I'll, I, I, I peek in on all the, the, little, the little rooms in the nursery and there's a teacher there with a big picture Bible just talking to him about Jesus. I'm like, yeah. The Word of God. The Word of God is so important. That's why it's the only book in the world that there's spiritual warfare for you getting into. You can read a cookbook. You can read the newspaper. You can read the news on the internet. No problem, right? As you go to crack open the Word of God, all hell breaks loose, right? The phone rings. This thing goes on. It's madness. Why? Because it's the one place. It's the one place where we're going to hear directly from the heart of God. One place. We need to be in the book. We need to be people of the book. As I'd like to say, in jest partially, let's get off of Facebook and get our face in the book. Or just put the scriptures of the book on Facebook. It all works. 
But man, we need to be people of the word. Jeremiah said, your word was found by me, O Lord, and I did eat it, and it became unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. No matter how much we read it, no matter how much we study it, it is awesome. I was getting blown away this morning. I decided part of my devotion, I'm reading through one book, I decided that I'm going to take Mark's gospel, which I know is the oldest of the gospels, and I'm just going to meditate for part of my quiet time just on the the sayings of Jesus. And I'm on the second saying, Mark chapter 1. Verse 18, so I'm memorizing it as I go. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Jesus was blowing my mind this morning. He's like, man, follow me. Now, I'm a pastor. How many times do you think I've said follow me in my ministry? A lot, right? God was blowing my mind. Something about what does it mean to follow Jesus? I know it's great. I never realized this. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Why does Jesus want him to follow him so he can do it? Because Jesus is going to model it for him. I never thought of it before my whole life. The disciples became fishers of men because Jesus, they followed Jesus and Jesus modeled it for him. He hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Why? To model for his disciples how to go fishing. Because you can't go fishing if you don't have a fishing pole and you're not by a pond. How often you and I in the highways and byways as we walk through life do we forget that We're fishers of men with Jesus. And we're there at the pond. There's fish everywhere, but have we forgotten our bait and hook? Jesus modeled it for us. He came to show us how to do it. And Jesus was good at doing it, right? I mean, he caught all of us. Not a bad catch. See, we need to be people of the word. People who walk in the word who study the word, who learn the word. It's the foundation of our family. Next. Our family is defined by love and transformation. Our family is defined by love and transformation. I want you to turn to your right to 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to read you the first three verses. It says this, Behold, What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Now you notice, our family is defined by love. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. So what keeps our family together? The definition for our family is that we are beloved of God. And because God loves us, we love one another. That's the way it flows. It flows from God to us, and then we return our love to God by loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And as there's this constant flow, God's love never fails. It never ceases. No matter how unlovable we are, God still loves us, and he blesses us. And we just say, Lord, you're so good. And then the Lord says, well, look, if I'm so good, then I want you to love these people around you. We love God by loving people. But not only is it defined by love, which isn't that what we all really want? Isn't that how families are made? Two people fall in love, quote unquote. 
and they start a family. See, God's love defines us, but then also transformation. Because I want you to notice this. I want you to notice it. Look what it says. In verse 2, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now notice verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now listen, we're all in process. Every single one of us. Every one of us. None of us are completed yet. We're all growing. And this is what makes love so hard. Because you're asked to love people who are not perfected yet. So I want you to look at the person next to you and say, God ain't done with me yet. Go ahead. And say it like you mean it because it's true. Now look at the person on the other side and say, God ain't done with me yet. There are some of us, there are some of us here, we struggle because we only want to love people who are perfect. And that's why everybody around you makes you miserable. Every single relationship is radically unfulfilling because nobody's perfected. But the love of God is not only loving perfected people. The true self-sacrificing love of God says, I love you even though I don't love everything you do. Even though you fail me in a million ways. Even though you're really selfish a lot of the time, I still love you because I know you're in process. Brothers and sisters, to me, that's the key to having truly grace-filled relationships. Don't expect the other person to be perfect because guess what? They ain't. Talk about setting someone up for failure. Expecting them to be something that they've never ever in their entire life been, but you're expecting them to be that and they fall short in a million ways. But the love of God says, look, the family of God says, look, we are loved by God, we love one another and we're all growing. So listen, when you see my warts, and I mean, I'm on a big jumbotron, so you can see them anyway. But like when you see me acting out in a way that I'm not, just say, Pastor Daniel's not perfect yet. And then you give us grace, and we talk through the, the things that we mess up on. But the family of God, nobody here is perfect. Only Jesus is perfect, and that's why we praise him. But brothers and sisters, give each other the grace to be in process, because guess what? You will be until he comes back or he calls you home. Every single day of breath and a heartbeat on this earth is a day to grow. A day to be transformed, to be changed. In the world, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. In the kingdom of God, we need to learn new tricks every single day. There's a new way to be, and we're learning it every single day together. And it makes it a little funky sometimes. Growing pains happen. But we're all growing. We're all growing. As a family, our behavior towards one another changes. As a family, our behavior towards one another changes. Because we are defined by love and transformation, because we're a family, we treat one another differently. Because in the end of the day, even if you disagree, you're still family. The Apostle Paul told a young pastor named Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. You see what happens? He's like, look, yes, you're the pastor. If you have an older person, 
Don't rebuke them. Treat them as a dad. Treat older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters. Say hello to some of you who've been around, taking more trips around the, the sun than I have. You say, oh, Pastor Dan, you're like young enough to be my grandson. And I'm like, praise God. You know? That's, a, that's not like a, a deficiency. Because we're family. And guess what? In any family, we treat one another that way. So if, if you're an older gal, man, praise God, you're an older sister. Like a mom to me. I love that. I love it when sometimes I see Pastor Bill and someone's like, man, you're just a young whippersnapper to Pastor Bill. He's like, yeah. But we're a family. And because we're a family, we treat one another differently. It's not, no one's disposable because in the end of the day, you're going to spend eternity with one another. And don't forget that as we relate to the greater body of Christ, you guys have all heard the joke about, and it's always used for whatever denomination someone wants to make fun of. Like where, where, where you're getting the tour of heaven when you get up there and like, they go, shh, be quiet. Why, why, why? They think they're the only ones here. You ever hear that joke? And it's been used for, like, you've heard it for everybody, right? We're one big family. Jesus knows who are his. Jesus knows who are his. And even if we disagree, and we will, we have to find, I don't believe in unity at all costs, but I think we need to be very, very careful with where we put the dividing lines as well. Are we dividing up over where Jesus would divide or where he wouldn't? But as we think about the greater body of Christ, guess what? We should treat one another, even if we disagree, we should treat one another as family, not as an enemy. Because we're not an enemy because we're going to spend eternity together. So brothers and sisters, as I close, Jesus is faithful and we are a family. Jesus is faithful and we are a family. And the question for each one of us is, how will we respond to that? The reality that the people around you, the people who you spend time in the family room with, the person who stole your parking spot on the way in, that's your, that's your family. Blood bought by Jesus. How will you respond to that? If ever, I want to give you the opportunity, if ever you feel that I am making a decision or our church is going in a direction that is breaking up our family, please talk to me. If someone's not being valued, please talk to me. Please talk to me. Because brothers and sisters, we're a family. And even though there might be rough times with your family, your family is still what? You're still your family. And don't miss, for some of us today, you're here, you're going to make a decision to join the family today by receiving Jesus. And that's the best decision you'll ever make because guess what? We're crazy family. We have, it's crazy, but it's beautifully crazy. And to become a part of the family of God, all we need to do is receive and believe in Jesus. And if you do that, he gives you the right to become a child of God. And guess what? If you make that decision today, we're going to rejoice with you. Because at some point along life's way, we all made that decision because of who Jesus is. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel finished up the third part in his series entitled, Because Jesus is Real. We learned that the family of God should be defined by love and transformation. 
And the love that Pastor Daniel defined was not the gushy love of modern culture. It's the sort of love that recognizes that we're all in process with God and that His Holy Word is the governing standard for each and every one of us as we're being changed. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. What does it mean to be all in? We use that phrase to describe a state of mind that holds nothing back, that is 100% committed. We'll learn that Jesus was all in when it came to his Father's will. He didn't hold anything back, even his very own life. This shocking example is one that we should strive for. Pastor Daniel will carefully exhort us to submit ourselves to God and allow him to cause us to be all in. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled, Because Jesus is Real. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.